Welcome to this episode of Sexy Aging, where we unpack the hormonal challenges to our bodies. This is the second of two episodes with Dr. Wendy Sweet, founder of My Menopause Transformation Program. Wendy has worked in the health and exercise industry for over 30 years. Originally an ICU nurse, she retrained and pioneered the personal training industry in New Zealand. Wendy went on to lecture in sport, exercise, nutrition and health physiology and undertook her master's degree in behavioural lifestyle change. She then pursued her doctoral studies at the Faculty of Health, Sports and Human Performance at Waikato University, focusing on better understanding of how women perceive ageing and the role of exercise in the stages of menopause. Wendy's own journey through perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause provide authenticity and science to her interviews. This episode will focus on menopause and exercise, the undiscovered truths. But a lot of women who are used to doing, um, you know, uh, a lot of either either a high volume of exercise, so they might be marathon runners, or the short and sharp high intensity exercise may not be recovering. Now they might be fine for the first couple of months as they enter menopause, but one of the things that happens as we transition through menopause, one of the main things that happens to our body is nothing to do with the ovaries, but all to do with our changing blood vessels. And estrogen has a powerful effect on our blood vessels. And as we lose estrogen, one of the reasons that that heart disease is the number one health issue in Western populations around the world is because we lose that elasticity in our blood vessels. We it's it's called vascular stiffness, and um, there's been a lot of research about the older um, female generation and vascular stiffness and risk of high blood pressure, hypertension, and also uh, the risk of stroke. So, but, and, and that starts to occur in our 50s. So we're not educating, coming back to our education um, comment before, we're not educating um, pra- exercise practitioners around the changes that are going on around the body. So that's first and foremost, we need to be able to sleep. And um, a lot of women are not sleeping, but still exercising in ways that their body is used to doing and um, it's not to say we can't do that type of exercise but first things first let's sort out the sleep and understand that our muscles our blood vessels are changing and as we go into post-menopause and we are losing both our all of our those four Um, reproductive hormones are declining we are also lose naturally this is a natural phenomenon we are losing our type 2b power fibers and that is natural that's why that's why one of the main changes in older women is you know a lot of belly fat but skinny legs Um, it is a natural phenomenon for us to lose lean muscle tissue now there hasn't been enough research as to with our demographic um, because we're the first demographic to arrive in in menopause there hasn't been enough research 
um, around can you build muscle in postmenopause? And what I'm reading, the answer is no. You can tone it, and but you cannot uh, without you know some pharmaceuticals and testosterone and and everything that we've seen in the fitness industry. You cannot grow that muscle. And if women aren't sleeping, they're not going to grow the muscle. So so there are phenomenal changes around um, the the actual. Um, muscle fibers and um, yet we lose dense we lose our type 2 power fibers so women who are now are still doing high intensity exercise are starting to say wow what well, I'm not recovering very well I'm sore I'm stiff my joints are sore so that's one of the things and the other thing that's impacted on the fact that we lose our type 2 power fibers is that our the rate of calcium uptake into muscles um, declines as well and calcium is a major nerve transmitter from the nerve into the muscle calcium helps the muscle contraction so I see it time and time again or I get emails from women who are regular exercises been exercising all their life they've arrived in their 50s they're still doing the same exercise they were doing when they were 20 but they don't understand that now it's, their body is fighting against that type of exercise. But on a good note, um, you know, the work of, of Professor um, uh, Hiroko Tanaka around uh, vascular stiffness and elasticity shows that we've got the ability to train our endurance fibers. So women make great endurance athletes as they get older as well. Oh, and, very good. Um, yeah, yeah. Even <laughs> though that, that's, that can contradict some of the bone density um, yeah. stuff as well. So it really, it, you know, there's so much we can be doing to, um, you know, to support ourselves as we come through this phase and, um, and do the right exercise. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, that's, that's a lot. And it actually answers a lot of questions that people ask me personally on the fitness side. Well, what should I be doing? Especially when they there's a little bit of self-realization that what they're currently doing is just not feeling good or mm. they're putting on weight. That's mm. like a really common one. Like I'm mm. still training two hours a day, kicking out the hit workout and now I'm putting on weight. Mm. Like there's that question comes up all the time. Mm. When I was sort of diving into um, what I felt personally I needed to pay attention to, to help myself get through it. And this is before I came across your program. Um, the thing that came up for me really powerfully was the power of sleep. Mm. So I decided that I was going to be like religious on that thing first. I was going to start with sorting my sleep out and I felt like not only would it help me recover, but there would be so many upsides if I could mm. just fix my sleep. And I think I hit the jackpot with that one. But would you be able to explain a little bit more around why we do need to prioritize sleep? Um, absolutely, and 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 that is absolutely critical. Um, is prioritising sleep. We all know what a lack of, uh, you know, a good night's sleep makes us feel. And and you know, we as women, we lead such busy, active lives. Many of us do. So when we lose sleep, then then that's problematic. And if we're not sleeping, 
then it leads us into that cascade of health events that we end up further down the line towards, especially towards heart disease. And so I'm like you, I'm very passionate about sleep. But what happens is, is that there is an, because menopause is our transition to our aging, there are changes to around our body and there are changes to every organ in our body. So we actually produce less of the sleep hormone called melatonin. And as we come through um, this lowering of our menopause hormones and, and particularly the pituitary gland hormones, we naturally have this decline in melatonin. Um, and it's why a lot of elderly people end up not sleeping. So what we have to do is understand that first and foremost, um, low, a, a lowering of melatonin, which is the main hormone that gets us off to sleep, there's another hormone, um, acetylcholine, that keeps us asleep, but melatonin is the main one. And so if, you, if we know that, that we're at a particularly vulnerable time in our lives for not sleeping, then let's explore ways to manage melatonin. And melatonin is a hormone that is produced by the pituitary gland and it works in a circadian cycle. So um, it should be high as we go to bed in the two hours that we go to bed. Um, and it should be low uh, in the morning when we wake up. Now, every hormone works with another, works synergistically with another hormone. So, you know, there are part, every hormone has a partner and the partner for melatonin is a hormone called cortisol. And cortisol is our stress hormone. It's our chronic stress hormone. We've, most people have heard of cortisol, but I had no, when, when I came into perimenopause and menopause, I wasn't thinking about the partnership of the hormones. Estrogen works with progesterone. Follicle stimulating hormone works with luteinizing hormone. Insulin works with glucagon. So you cannot look at hormones in isolation from um, others. So melatonin, our sleep hormone, works with cortisol. Now, cortisol is a chronic stress hormone. And cortisol should be low in the evening and therefore allowing melatonin to rise. And yet, when we look at cortisol as a a hormone that may be problematic, um, and I say may because it, cortisol is a hormone that we naturally produce, needs to be high in the morning because it's our get up and go hormone. But there now we bring in the context of our lifestyle. And our lifestyle is really, really important to managing our symptoms in menopause. And the lifestyle with um, the, the partnership of melatonin and cortisol is crucial because there are certain things around our lifestyle that impact on having high cortisol at night. And that is our exposure to technology. It's our, our lights in our household. Um, you know, the, the tiny little pineal gland that controls our circadian cycle is um, hasn't changed for hundreds of thousands of years you know so we're dealing with the evolutionary pathways here 
And um, so we're used to having dim, we should be used to having dim light in the evening. And then it's that segue to going into a darkened space to go to sleep and go to bed. But for many women who are now um, working, working full time, we've got our careers to think about and coming home into the home environment. There is a lot going on in the home environment. I know myself, I had a couple of teenage, you know, sporting athletes in the house. And so that, that, that ability to um, allow cortisol to decline in the evening has pretty much been lost. And uh, I see this time and time again. So one of the things that, um, that women need to do is really look at that evening routine. You know, they, they don't need to be on their computers at 10 o'clock at night doing their work um, because if they're not sleeping, that's going to impact on their ability to get out of that cycle. I call it a circuit breaker. You've got to put in a circuit breaker. Um, but women are catching up in the evening. We all know that when the house is quiet, don't we? And it's a lovely time at night to catch up. I think I did my PhD, you know, at, at midnight. But I had no idea at the time how much that was impacting on me and my health because I was in menopause, because I was in this vulnerable stage of our lives. And we can get away with it when we're 25 and 30, but by the time we're 50, we cannot get away with it. So managing melatonin is, is crucial. And can I, without going into too much, and, and people can watch my masterclass, but the other, the, the fantastic thing that's happened over our generation is research and scientific research. And um, a shout out to all the, the researchers in the world, because one of the things that's, that does impact on melatonin secretion is our gut microbiome. And it's also, you know, uh, the absorption of some of our proteins in our liver and our gut microbiome. So once again, um, we cannot look at melatonin secretion without looking at how well we're absorbing um, nutrients and, and how healthy our gut is, but, but that's an aside. So as part of the circadian cycle, then we need to manage, we need to get melatonin high in the evening. Um, and can I also say a little tip for your, your um, for ladies is get off the sugar at night and ask yourself, what does a glass of wine contain? Because sugar glucose crosses the blood brain barrier Glucose elicits a response with our, our blood sugar regulating hormone insulin and insulin negates the effect of melatonin. So, um, so it's one of the lifestyle things that we really need to take a good, honest, hard look at ourselves and say, do I really need that glass of wine at nine o'clock at night when I want to go to sleep at 10 o'clock? And if you're serious about your sleep, if you're serious about your health, and if you're serious about healthy aging, you'll make some choices that are hopefully uh, the right choices. And have your wine at five o'clock, not nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I did find <laughs> Does that. that make actually, sense? Yeah, that makes yeah. complete sense. And mm. when, uh, so, to give you some context of my experience in uh, Malaysia. 
Um, so we were in a lockdown situation for quite a long time. And obviously, we get a bit of time to think about you know, how we want to do things differently moving forward. Um, one of those things was uh, when lockdown lifted slightly, I met up with my friends and we would have a few drinks at five o'clock <laughs> instead of like nine, 10 o'clock at night. Mm. And I must say it made a huge difference. I didn't see the connection that you've just mm. explained, mm. but I would have um, yeah, much better sleep than, you know, getting off my computer at seven or eight o'clock at night and pouring myself a glass of wine and mm. wondering why I'm waking up at two or three in the morning mm, right mm, so I can absolutely. advocate for that and say yeah. absolutely I've been yes. through that yes. um Ariana Huffington put out a really fantastic book on sleep mm. um so just if you want to if anybody wants to dive into something that really makes you understand sleep a little bit then I would recommend that book as well mm. it's not as highly scientific as mm. you know all the research that's out there mm. but it does frame it in a really yeah. good lifestyle way yeah and yeah. Matthew Walker Dr Matthew Walker in the UK has put out one called why we sleep which is a very very powerful but once again they're not talking about menopause so we have to look at we have to look at that information and then we have to pull it back into our age and stage of life because we, we do get forgotten about but but also Tracy I also want to acknowledge the fact that as as um, you know many women are uh, working mothers and they're coming home and there's a lot going on in the household and there's a lot going on with um, you know the family dinner and how late everything is getting and I know myself that by the time my children did after school sports and, you know, and the hubby came home from work and everything else, the meals are getting later and later as well. Um, but a lot of the research around how we sleep and why we sleep and, the, and that link towards the gut microbiome is also about um, having 12 hours of, of not eating, so fasting overnight. So uh, I haven't got time to go into that today, but it's really, really powerful. And um, so if women are finding that, you know, they've got a lot going on with the family dynamics and, you know, and they're eating a lot later because they're, they're fitting around the family, then they have to remember that they've got to make some adjustments for them but that might not fit in with their family. So it does, I'm not saying you could, don't need to not eat with your family, but maybe you could have a bigger meal at four or five o'clock and some soup with the family. So there's lots of ways that you can actually, um, you know, work with your body as it, change, as it changes, knowing that we've got to manage cortisol, um, get that melatonin as high as we can at night. And, and of course, um, you know, get up in the morning and, and follow that circadian rhythm pathway. So um, there's lots of other things, particularly around uh, insulin and food and, and um, our digestive system as, as well. So, but that's just, just one thing. So the sleep thing is crucial, as you said. If we're not sleeping, we're acquiring um, inflammation in our cells and tissues. And it's the inflammation that makes us have worse hot flushes. And hot flushes are the whole, and night sweats are the hallmark of the menopause woman, um, but they cannot be looked at in isolation of sleep and in isolation of diet and our changing blood vessels. Mm. Wow. I mean, we could literally 
go on and on, right? <laughs> but I think what you've done is you've given us like two meaty subjects and topics to explain exactly what's happening to the body, which is awesome. Um, I just have one question. So you mentioned um, that women should probably consider more along the lines of endurance type training. And I want to put this out for all my fitness friends out there. Mm. Um, what would you just, what would you recommend or how would you recommend that we change up our training so that our bodies will have more longevity and more mobility and be able to get through to, you know, our 60s, 70s and beyond? Well, I don't, when I say endurance training, um, the, the the immediate picture is running marathons. So I don't mean I don't mean that. I mean um, the fact of lowering the intensity. There is phenomenal research. Um, again, Professor Tanaka um, out of the University of Texas has looked at this concept of vascular stiffness, and one of the things that we need to be um, allowing our body to do is adapt to that. Um, loss of elasticity of the blood vessels so it's it's more about aerobic exercise and he talks about a concept called Nico Nico which is slow jogging and if we can get up and do a little bit of slow jogging it gets us a little bit of a sweat it gets us a little bit aerobically fit um, woman uh, you know as we come into our our next phase of life it's our cardiovascular system that is absolutely crucial. So, um, and, and how we um, reduce inflammation. So um, without going into the physiology, but we need to look after our mitochondria. So they're the, the organelles in our, in our skeletal muscle that, um, that store oxygen. So the, the more we can look after our mitochondria, the longer we will live. Um, you know, and, and death is actually the cellular death of the mitochondria. So aerobic exercise, and it doesn't matter whether that's 20 minutes or an hour and a half. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if women get it in snack activity or whatever. Yes, we need bone strengthening and, and we need to stimulate the bone to turn over. So, of course, those strengthening type activities are really important. You mentioned yoga before and yoga is a strengthening activity. It's body weight. So a lot of women who are a little bit bigger, um, you know, if they do do some body weight exercise, that's probably enough stimulation rather than heavy weights. Now, the physiotherapists and, and some of the power lifters are going to cry foul on me because there is some research around bones density stimulation and doing power lifting. However, what we don't know is the effect long term on blood pressure. And my programs are, are positioned in women's cardiac health. And because our heart is changing as we age, as is our, you know, it's, and women already have a smaller heart. Many of them are training like men. And we see this through our sports, um, uh, through many of our sporting disciplines now. Um, but we're not, what we've got to do is understand that heavy resistance training damages those little hard caps on the end of the muscle fibers, the telomeres. And if you look at aging, then aging is a disease of the telomere. And the tele and Professor Elizabeth Blackburn, she's a, a Nobel Prize winner, has done phenomenal research around how we look after our telomere. And um, so if women are doing too much like more than two sessions a week of 
heavy training, then there may be um, a rebound effect longer term on, on their blood pressure. So it's about finding the balance. And talking about balance, um, when, you, when, we, when we look at the mobility function, um, mo immobility problems of, of our mother's generation, balance and falls are a big part of that. So what can we be doing in our 50s and early 60s to prevent that? Well, we can be doing you know, more balance activity and Tai Chi and, and um, really starting to understand that, that those balance activities will help us into thriving as we age as well. So I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying don't do the high intensity, but one, one little session a week or two in the research is enough for women in their 50s. But the research shows that it's that aerobic activity. Um, if women are experiencing anxiety and hot flushes, yoga is really important. And then adding in balance and, um, and strengthening activities. So just trying to get a, a broad spectrum. But everyone has a different starting point. And for women who, and it's quite different for women who are thin and lean, um, like yourself, compared to perhaps me, who puts on weight easily. So it really does depend on what women can tolerate as well. Um, some of the larger ladies need to, um, you know, get walking and hiking and, and uh, the, the research around the blue zones studies, which, uh, look at, which looked at women who are um, the, the populations that have the highest proportion of women who are 100 years and older show that they exercise outside, they walk, they hike in the hills, and that is their, that is their strength training. So there's, there's lots that we can do. Mm. Yeah, I've... Um... Yeah, I've been able to research a lot on what you've just mentioned, and I'll put a lot of that content in the show notes for, for this podcast and for our YouTube video mm. so that people can access it as well, because it's there mm. and it's been really, really helpful. So hearing you talk about it is just like, oh, it, it's, it's so good. And you frame it in a way that makes it really easy to understand and practical to apply. Mm. Talking about practical to apply, I want to invite you to talk about your program because I feel like we've come to a point where you've given so much content and that's one of the things you are so generous with your content, but it is really quite difficult depending on your body type and your stage in life to know how to implement the content that you've given us. And so I feel like if somebody could hook into your programs and start to check off the boxes of all the things that they would want to do to make a difference to how they feel. Um, would you want to tell us about that? Thank you, Tracy. Thanks for the opportunity. Yes, well, it's become, you know, it's, it's led me to um, really thinking about what, how I want to use my knowledge. And I really wanted it to, to uh, uh, you know, help women to transition through menopause. So I have, a, first and foremost, I have a website called My Menopause Transformation. Um, women uh, can go there and have a look. I've also, uh, since we've uh, come through lockdown, I was taking my masterclass on menopause around the world throughout New Zealand, Australia and the UK. Uh, that is now online. It's just a very small um, admin charge for that. But that's a two-hour webinar. And because I've pre-recorded it, women can pause, pause me anytime as well. Go and make a cup of tea or whatever. So uh, that's under the program link 
on the website. So that's a really good starting point to understand how we marry up our symptoms with um, the stage of life we're in, and then look at the context of our lifestyle. We all have different lifestyles. We all have different ways of living our life. So how does that impact on our symptoms as well? Then I developed two 12-week uh, programs, um, and I just put 12 weeks on them because women can take as long as they like to do them. There is no rush, but they are step-by-step -step progressive uh, programs. One is for thinner, leaner women called Circuit Breaker and the other one is called Transform Me, and that's for the bigger ladies to help them uh, understand how to lose weight. Um, there's, a, a, there's a condition called estrogen dominance, um, whereby they're storing more estrogen in their fat cells, so it talks them through that, and I progress them through, first and foremost, how to sleep. I don't care about exercise, I don't care about food, how do you sleep? And, and then I get them onto a modified Mediterranean diet that is the one that's researched for women's health. And I've modified it according to um, menopause and some of those things I, I talked about with uh, sleeping. And then I also um, have progressives through a liver uh, module and I've totally researched how to get our liver back to what it was. Um, over the past 30 years, there's been phenomenal changes in not only our food and food production, but also in the environment. And these have a powerful impact on our liver health. So I've, you cannot turn around your liver in 24 hours. It takes three months to regenerate the liver, but the liver is fabulous because it's adaptogenic, which means that it renews itself. So we just have to give it time and, and um, beautiful nutrients to do that. And then I get women um, uh, restoring their energy and then moving into um, the healthy aging and, and exercise. So one of the things I do is actually back, as I said earlier, is I back off exercise um, until women have sorted out their health as, as you did do. I do have a, another program, a 12-week program called Rebuild My Fitness, because I find that there's two types of women in the world. One is the group who have, um, who have, uh, who are exhausted and have got no time for exercise. And so they need to get back into moving their bodies in ways that allow them to um, improve their health. And then I've got my, I call them my, my fitness ladies who like you and I have a very um, extensive background in uh, movement and body awareness and exercise. And they're the ones that I have to pull back in I have to rein back in and say, let's let's get you working aerobically. Let's get you doing more um, yoga. Interestingly enough, I have a lot of yoga instructors who do my program who are teaching up to 10 to 12 classes a week. And what they don't understand is that that volume of teaching is actually a huge amount of stress on their muscles. Um, you know, particularly all the different types of yoga. So it's fascinating um, to think about the different um, the different modes of fitness and how how they impact on the body. And then I've got instructors who are teaching body pump and and working. You know, the resistance training to exercise class, and they're working very hard, putting heavy load. They're teaching seven or eight classes a week, and are not understanding why their joints are sore. Um, as because they're in their late 40s and 50s. So I love helping my fitness ladies um, 
because it's really important that they can continue to do the job they love, feel passionate about what they're doing, and um, but, but, but also be able to understand that there's phenomenal changes going on in their body. Um, so, uh, so, so that's really important. So um, anyway, people can go to the My Menopause Transformation website and have a good look around. Lots of um, success stories and testimonials on there too. Yeah. And I've blogs. Read, and blogs, yeah. Blogs. Amazing. You've got so much content there. So I keep uh, checking back to um, reinvigorate my mind around a certain topic occasionally. Like if mm. I eat a certain way in one week and I find I'm not feeling so good, I can usually find the answer in some of your blogs. Mm. So um, mm. thank you for those. We're going to wind up the interview with just some sort of light conversation because it's been like <laughs> really full on and really amazing. Um, what what uh, things do you do, Wendy, that <clears throat> just make you feel good on the daily? So what sort of lifestyle changes have you sort of implemented over the, the later years? Well, I think the, the biggest lifestyle change was changing my beliefs. And I know that sounds a bit esoteric, but um, like you, Tracy, I've got a long history of exercise and exercising. It's a very big part of my life and I, I, it's how I cope. However, I was carrying those beliefs into midlife and my aging so um, I have really changed what I do um, I find ways to hike more and 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 ride my bike still love cycling always been a good cyclist and I've rediscovered swimming um, I've moved moved to beautiful um, Wanaka you can tell by the map behind me so there's beautiful lake here and uh, you know I bought a wetsuit and I, I lake swim um, as much as I can. Swimming is fabulous for the lymphatic system. And so I think that what I've done is brought my knowledge into how I can change my, um, my own ways of exercising. Lengthening and strengthening the muscle is really important rather than uh, a lot of heavy weights um, because they shorten the muscle and do a lot of damage to the, um, you know, to those actin myosin um, filaments. So I do more lengthening and stretching. Never enough, of course. Probably need someone like you to jump in my life, Tracy, and and do a bit more. <laughs> but um, but I think that that really that's the big thing. The big thing for me personally was changing my beliefs about how um, how the 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 way we're being taught to live our lives in the past 30 years um, is not necessarily the way we need to bring into our, the next 30 years. And there's a lot of um, emphasis on, um, on healthy aging sitting within the paradigm of master sports and doing a lot of competition. And I really sit back now and I go, no, that's, you know, that, that kind of mindset excludes a lot of people. And uh, we have to be really conscious of that in the, in the, um, in, in particularly in the fitness industry. But I think that, you know, you carry your identity with you throughout your life. But every now and again, you've got to look at that, um, who you are, and say, actually, this doesn't fit in with um, how I want to age. And we must remember that um, fitness isn't necessarily healthy and being healthy isn't necessarily all about fitness 
Um, there's so many dimensions to women's healthy aging. So, and the first one is living a purposeful life, um, having social connect connection. So making time for other people and um, eating well, Mediterranean diet. I've really moved away from the New Zealand way of eating and um, which is tra more traditional farming type environment and enjoying exercise that um, doesn't make me feel sore. <laughs> that would yeah. be the main thing. Yeah, no, I love that. And I can learn from you, Wendy. So I've already started to implement some of those things just for pure enjoyment mm. at this stage, like mm. being back in New Zealand and being able to walk around some of the locations that I used to think were really boring when I was a teenager. <laughs> and now I'm hiking up these hills thinking this is awesome you know mm. my heart mm. rate's up but I'm feeling like the elation of the beauty of it and just that feeling like my body is moving so well yes you and know, being out I, in nature I think that's nature. important and yep. and I think that that's one of the things that the pandemic and lockdown have really emphasized is that when we're not out in nature and when we haven't got well for many women they might be living in apartments or they're living in these big cities and they don't have that um, that access to the environments that we have here. But there's a lot, there's a ton of research that shows that environment matters. So, you know, when you can get out in those in those environments. And and I like to, to you know, throughout our life as uh, for, for those women who are mothers, we are also role models. So it's really important that um, we find balance in so many ways and and that, you know, that, that then flows on through um, our children as well. So very important. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have a book or a course or a reading or a podcast or something that you could recommend to our listeners and viewers? Um, You've actually given us a lot, but is there yes, something that's kind of close yes. to you? It's the well, one that well, always jumps to mind. I think... <laughs> I think that I mean I could I could give you a string of um, academic uh, books, but but there's a wonderful book by an American author called Mary Piper P I P H E R uh, Piper P I P E R, and she's written a book called Woman Rowing North, and I was that book was brought to my attention by my supervisor. Now she's in her seventies, but she's a sociologist and she's a beautiful writer. And I think she does this gorgeous um, portrayal of how we are transitioning menopause and into our next life, because there's so much, um, and I could you know, do another whole hour on um, the commercialization of older age, particularly for women and the pressures that we feel and you know, the, the co-modification of the, the body and the sexualization of aging, you know, the kind of the, the housewives of Orange County or whatever and so women become very confused and they 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 think that that is the only way to age that you know you have to have this huge emphasis on um dear I, with, without offense to the American way but that that American um concept of of aging youthfully whereas if we if we if we think about our aging in terms of health and how we want to live our life then um i think it's a you know there's so much going on in 
in our 50s with kids leaving home, with changing, you know, many women have changes to their career. A lot of women have um, challenges around, um, you know, just a lot of changes going on with their aging parents and, and everything else. So I think that the more we can read about um, what is what is menopause and, and what does it signal and how that is this beautiful transition into the next phase of our life. And if we can find that balance, then you know we'll we'll get there. We'll get there in a way that, that we can enjoy it. Hmm. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to the future now that I have um, more knowledge. Mm. And um, I'm just really grateful that we get to share this. Um, you know, it's just been a few years of, of friends sort of reaching out for help or, you know, just confusion around what's happening. And I think that was the catalyst behind me starting this. And I just knew that, you know, being able to talk to you would be really helpful. So being able to help people understand, you know, what's going on has been awesome so thank you so much for your time um we'll have two amazing episodes <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot there there's a lot thank there. you tracy yeah. fabulous yes wendy's ability to help us understand what is happening within our bodies is second to none if you were inspired by this episode consider checking out Wendy's program at mymenopausetransformation.com. I hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed hosting it. I love that there are so many generous women willing to share their story and expertise to help and inspire all of us going through the mire of menopause. If you enjoyed this episode, please check the show notes to follow my guests. All their details are there. And if you want to stay connected for further episodes, please like, subscribe, review, and of course share with your friends. It's through your support and feedback that I can continue to produce episodes. Aroha nui.